0: Hi, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. For months, we take time to prepare and educate ourselves on this new adventure of motherhood. But as we all know, once the baby is born, we're still left with so many questions and need all the help we can get. Women really should have a sense of empowerment as they begin to experience these life-changing moments. And no one mother has it all figured out. However, the more informed we are, the better decisions we can make that will positively affect us and our family. And that's what this podcast is about. Sharing honest, raw, and real conversations about motherhood, life, and all of the crazy, messy, beautiful in-betweens to hopefully educate, empower, and support the next mother on her motherhood journey. So sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Mama's Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I'm on with a very special guest, Mrs. Christina Woodward, who supports challenges and empowers women for a living. Through her consultancy 19th and co Christine and the team of consultants help businesses to grow beyond their comfort zones. Her focus is less about services and more about the partnership they deliver to their clients that helps unearth each need and pushes each client's dreams over the finish line over and over again. Christine strikes the perfect balance of design thinking with action bias methods from her 15 years in advertising in New York and designing spaces as an architect and interior designer for some of the world's most luxurious brands. She holds a master's in architecture, studies in management at Harvard, and is an MBA candidate at Johns Hopkins. Hopkins Carey Business School. She lives in California and spends her free time with her husband and two kids. Christine, welcome. How are you today?
1: Thank you. I am well. I'm happy to hear It's the end of the week and just uh, doing well. Yes, I can take a deep sigh of relief. (laughs) Nice. Yes,
0: we're heading into the weekend. Same thing. Actually, right before we got on, I was digging into my planner and trying to figure out what I was going to do this weekend and then heading into next week and, you know, that constant grind. So tell me, Christine, a little bit about your journey into becoming, I know you had mentioned to me when we first connected that you're a first generation college graduate. You're an MBA candidate at Johns Hopkins and being a tutor at Harvard, which is all amazing. Tell me a little bit about that journey and how that has impacted you as a mother, along with your motherhood journey.
1: Yeah. So yes, first generation college graduate. So family members have attended college, you know, maybe done the AA route, not even actually finished. So the first one to finish an undergraduate degree, let alone go on and do grad school. And yes, as you mentioned, I have a master's in architecture And was actually simultaneously getting a master's in management at Harvard before we left Boston and came back to California. So I didn't get to finish it, which is why I'm now in my MBA program, which is kind of just a continuation of that that program at Harvard and this is at Johns Hopkins. So, you know, I, I really think so much of that has been my influence of my husband, you know, having an incredible partner who brings out the better in you. It's profound what it does to a person's life. And clearly that's why I chose him. You know, I knew there was that leveling up that I could experience when I'm around him and what he brought out in me. And I think to answer your question about, you know, how does that translate to our kids? That's exactly what I want for my children. I want them to see the world through my lens, but then help to bring out the best of them that elevates that lens even that much further. How I go about doing that, you know, in my consulting business, I come across so many women. So I'll focus on moms and women a little bit here, but I come across so many women because my consultancy does span many verticals because we have so many consultants under our umbrella, but my specialty is interior design and architecture, given that's my background. So now I help, to, I help interior design owners build their businesses and majority of them are women. And I see so often in every one of their decisions or needs, it's, it's rooted in a lack of confidence or that hesitancy and decision-making, which is all underlying in confidence. And it's nuanced, of course, but I will say it's, it all comes down to confidence. And it's in that, that I want to spread the word around the world, you know, from elementary school children to senior care living facilities, the women, the world over about confidence. And that it can be the skill that can be learned. It is simply just a skill. It's like acquiring a new sport, a new, a new skill, it is not something we are just, you know, mom born with, or I got lucky with on this, or I have it in this one area, but nothing else. And I think, so to answer your question you know, what I want and how does that first generation experience first generation in college, you know, expand and go into and permeate my motherhood is I think in that one simple term confidence is just telling my daughter and my son, but telling my daughter you are so smart. You can do this. you know. And then when she asked me, mom, they wanted me for this, or mom, can I do this? I'll say, you're the perfect person for this. And I think to every mom out there, you know what your kids are capable of. And I'm an incredibly honest person to a fault. I'm a designer. I'm very decisive and I'm very opinionated, judgmental, <laughs> because I have to be a designer. When I was a designer, I actually do that in my consulting business too but I can't let that happen in my personal life because in my personal life, I would, if I, they were my client, I'd say, you're right. I don't think that's your strong suit. (laughs) Right. And let's, let's focus on this. But as a mom, it's our job to just paint a picture that is kind of the world's their oyster because we actually don't know what they're capable of. So even at this moment in time, and as we were talking, Nikki, before we even got on about, you know deciding to hold your kids back or something. You know, there's even at that moment in time, even if I conclude this is where my son is, that's right now. He could be Einstein for all I know. And so it's so important as mothers to make certain we're not being too honest with ourselves of their limitations or their be the opposite of limitations you know their leaps and bounds that they can make because it's such a snapshot at what we're then judging them on at this moment in time whereas when you're 45 you're 55 what your limitations are are less of a snapshot and more of a yeah probably over the last couple months probably a couple years this is where i stand because life kind of does slow down we are a little bit more determined in our path that's not to say if you want to take a pivot and you're 65 I'm not saying that by any means you absolutely should, but for our children, I think it's just so important. There is no truth. Their truth is being discovered by you and by them. And so it's, it's our goal, even if it feels like a bit of a lie or a bit of a stretch to say, you're the smartest person. You are absolutely the most perfect person for this. You say that script over and over, they will start to believe it and they will become the smartest person in that class. They will become the best person at whatever they're doing. And I think I can't say it any other way, but that, that how important that is. And I think
0: you said it so profoundly, because I think it is such a good point. And I think it's difficult, because as parents, probably even more so as mothers, maybe I know there's exceptions to the rules, you know, we think we have it, we we know better, we have it all figured out. But to your point, we don't even know who they are, we see bits and pieces of their personalities young. But I mean, look at me, I starting my career and how it's changed and things that I wanted to do throughout my 20s. And now I'm going to be 40 in a couple of years and I started my own businesses and I'm going a completely different pathway. Yes, some of the things I've learned in my previous industries and careers have helped, but we are, we're still trying to figure it out. I think is what you're saying is like, yeah, let them believe that. And it's hilarious that you're saying that because it's so true. I used to say before I came a mom, when I was a manager, I had some high level position, like, oh gosh, this feels just like parenting, right? You have different personalities, everyone has different needs, and you have to be very blah, 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 blah. And then I became a mom. And to your point, it's like, yeah, I wanted to tell them, look, figure it out and do this. And maybe be a little bit more short and not spend as much time to a certain extent. Because I do believe as being a leader, you also have to nurture and all of that. I think there is some correlation there. But with our children, yes, I think our job is just to let them. Feel and believe that they can be and do anything. So I think you saying that is so so important because it's so true. But it is hilarious. <laughs> you said you want to say no. You're not good at that. Yeah. You know I'm looking at it and you're like no. And you're like but no. My, I'm gonna sit here. This little face. Can I? Should I? Absolutely, you can. Yeah,
1: yeah. My son's the least coordinated child. But if he said <laughs> I want to be a football player or a baseball player, or, you know, some sport, I'd say you're the best person for it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think an example of this too is like toddlers. Your your terrible twos. Your terrible threes. Right. That. They're terrible because they're pushing the envelope. They're exploring their limitations. They're doing that on a five minute moment basis. (laughs) Whereas yes, when we're 25, 35, 45, we're doing it on a five month basis where that evolution is happening and we're pushing those boundaries. But it is, it it would be judging you today versus judging you in five years. It's unfair. And so the only fair way to do it, both for our children at these young ages, but even for ourselves is to say, why not me?
0: I love it. So why don't we go into with that the inspiration behind creating Nineteenth and Co and the Judy project? Yes. When did the idea come to you? How long has the process been? And what has the process like to turn these visions that you had into these realities?
1: Yeah. I'll keep it short on the consulting business just because my passion project is something I do want to and I think is most relevant to the moms listening. Nineteenth and Co is my consultancy and it is a women led consulting company. It is only women that we bring on and under the umbrella of Nineteenth and Co. And its mission is really to empower women so that they can practice their craft, their expertise, right? You could be so burned out and you know, soul crushed from corporate America that you want to go branch out on your own and be a consultant, or you could already own your own consultancy but kind of be a little worn out on the loneliness and need that solidarity. There's many other variations that come to us, but it's those women that are experts, subject matter experts in their space, but want to have that work-life balance. And being a consultant, you can have that, but it's a daunting experience to go start your own business. Or again, like I said, if you already have your own, it's lonely. So it's that solidarity mixed with being able to have the business side kind of taken care of. I do all the BD and help them to bring in more work. They can have their own business. They remain independent contractors as well. So it really is a consortium of consultants and it, it is only women that can join. And then we do open it up to clients that are men and women owned businesses only because it casts a wider net and can only then therefore empower our consultants, which is our number one mission.
0: What inspired you to create this going from your architecture background and all of that? What was your inspiration and why was it important to really pivot to making it woman owned and woman led?
1: Yes. It started out with real selfish reasons. I was looking for, you know, what could I do that I felt I could do for free? I think that's the That's the key ingredient. When you know, you can do something for free. When you say that, like I could do this all day long, every day for free. That's when I realized I was in my groove. And I actually switched from being design director at a design firm in San Francisco to the director of operations, which is unheard of, never happens. A designer does not pivot to be going, doing operations. And when I did again in my, you know, cup of tea, whole nine yards, loved it so much. And it was that point that I wanted to amplify that. I didn't want to be at just one firm and doing that. I wanted to help many others. And so I did a bunch of cold reach outs and it's from that, that I built my book of business from there. And then COVID hit because I was in individuals offices, COVID hit, couldn't do that anymore because I was in their office. And I had so many colleagues coming to me because they were furloughed, whatever the case may be because of COVID. And you know, COVID gave us this opportunity to reevaluate our lives. So I had so many friends and colleagues coming to me saying, your consulting business is amazing. I love what it brings to you in your life. Kind of how can I do that? And, that? and that's when it really, this ball kind of started rolling, it snowballed into, well, let's all come under the same umbrella. You have your own expertise. I have mine. And we are a consulting firm of women that can practice their own craft. And that is 19th and & Co. And it's named after the 19th Amendment, the women's right to vote. That was one of the last huge strides we made and that was quite a bit ago, sadly, not too long ago, also on a flip side. And the next revolution that needs to happen is our confidence. And I know I touched on that earlier, and that's what I see in my clients. It's what I see even in the consultants that come on board. There's even a lack of confidence in them, even though they're subject matter experts in their space, the idea that they're going out on their own, that they could find clients, that they could do it, performance anxiety, all of that rooted in a lack of confidence, sure. right? Mixed with that, my experience as being a tutor at Harvard and seeing the top echelon of students and, you know, cream of the crop, saying how they slipped through the admissions cracks. My mother-in-law, who taught me those words of encouragement to say to a person, but that only started when I was 20. She passed away last 4th of July, a year ago, and that was the tipping point. That was when I was like, I got to do something. I got to give the world what she gave me. Her name was Judy, but it was spelled J U D Y. The DI is for my mom, who's Diana. So it's the first two letters of both their names. And it's really between the two of them that creates confidence. So my mother-in-law, Judy, was a private practicing psychologist, had her PhD, and was an expert in our thoughts. And my mom, who is an expert in our mind and our, excuse me, our body and our actions, because she's a registered nurse, a personal trainer. And it's really those thoughts and actions, pairing the two of those creates that confidence. And it's a revolution of those that need to continue to happen to build on your confidence, not just one time you've got confidence. So sure, that's where the Judy Project came about.
0: I love that. So I learned more about the 19th Amendment, because I don't know if you saw amend on Netflix, by chance, the documentary. Why was it still so important? Like, I know you saw that, but what clicks that you were like, okay, I want to name it 19th and co. Did you hear about the amendment? Did you go through any experiences throughout your career that made you feel were you like the only woman in a room? Like, what was it? Because I've had those, i w I've worked in very male dominated um, mm-hmm. industries and had my share of being in the boys club and hearing the jokes sure. and hearing the this and, and, you yes. know, working my way up and busting my butt, maybe not taken seriously. I can, I can really go through
1: such you toxic like environments. Through so much more corporate America where that is a lot runs a lot of more rampant. Yes. Um, I'm in industry, So it, and especially interior design, so many more women. So mm. that wasn't that felt. But when I was getting my master's in architecture, yes, it was mm, okay. 90% men. So I certainly experienced that you know, in my education. But in my career, no, because I pivoted into interior design. And so that wasn't okay. as felt. And women were certainly, we were what ran the, sh- the show. The men may have owned the firms, but the women ran the show. So there was still, there was a- absolutely still that. But to answer your question too, about why the 19th Amendment to be the story behind the name of yeah. my consulting company. You'll laugh. My husband was the one who came up with it. And that speaks to the amazing man he is. He knows how passionate I am about empowering women. And it was really just the two of us brainstorming how can we in one name tell the story of how important that is and we're a consulting business. <laughs> you know, how do we smash that up? And Nineteenth Amendment, was it?
0: That's yeah. amazing. I love hearing stories. And even yeah. the Judy
1: project, the play on the names
0: and the two names. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So Thanks. I see here I'm on your website, confidence of ambassadors help you skill up in your confidence. So what does the Judy project do? I understand the whole, you know, you mentioned the confidence, and I, I definitely agree with all of that. But teaching the skill of confidence, who are you doing this for? What does it entail? And is it like a nonprofit? Do people help to donate? Like what does all of that?
1: Yes. All so very great questions. I am still unfolding all of this. The Judy project is the narrative. Um, The confidence revolution is the movement. And the confidence revolution is what this is and a revolution by way of, as you know, one that changes the status quo, but it's Mm -hmm. also a cyclical manner, right? It's something that turns over and over And our formula of thoughts plus action equals confidence is the revolution that needs to keep turning. So you need to keep reframing your thoughts and keep acting on them. You build, you get a little confidence and the revolution starts all over again. And it's that revolution. So we we have a two-part meaning to our confidence revolution and this movement we're trying to really catch on fire and start like a wildfire across the country, across the world. And what it is, is at this moment in time, it's workshops, it's webinars. I recently did a webinar for Dell's uh, Women Entrepreneur Group. Mm -hmm. Uh, great turnout, just incredible questions. And it just continues to resonate with women so much so that keeps me going and reminds me that I'm not the only one who thinks this is a good idea. By no means. Um, I'm actually building on an advisory board. I've got um, a New York Times bestselling author, Erica Christakis. As a board of advisors, she's a childhood development uh, expert. So again, this isn't just confidence and the flip it, term or definition as we all know it. This is, this is research based. This goes back to our childhood. This is how do we treat our children as moms? How do we weave that through their upbringing? How do we do this as managers? We're as moms, we're still managers. We're so many hats. How do we do that for the world over? And the confidence revolution isn't about one woman leveling up in her confidence. It's so much bigger than that. It's once you then level up in your confidence. You now have a responsibility to have a ripple effect on your community of women in your immediate family, in your the second, the third circle of your community. And, and that's really what this is. And that's why I say this is a movement because this isn't just some one fly by you know, night workshop to get, get more confidence. <laughs> you know, this is not that at all.
0: Well, and not only that, I think you make a good point because I have seen maybe some of those. I, and I don't want to call it a gimmick. I don't know what the correct word would be. It, I,
1: I agree. Gimmick. I, I, I'm totally on board with that. I hate to diminish or discount what they're doing. Yeah,
0: because you don't know. To but no it's a point. one-off. I was just reading something. It's like, it's normal. And goodness, I forgot the woman who I interviewed, cause I'm like 51 episodes in. So I've had a lot of conversations um, and pa- every conversation I've learned something from, and it's been amazing. And it's led me to what I'm doing, but the line of what you're saying, she's like, look, it's cyclical, right? She's like, but I think we've been ingrained to think like, we can't be sad. We can't be mad. Cause there's something wrong with us. She's like, and yes, there are levels of depression and there are levels of things that we have to mental health. Absolutely. It's okay to sometimes be like, okay, I need a moment, or you know, like I came down. So to your point, it's like yes. So it's a constant thing that needs to be fed because we have those cyclical moments. Yes. And some people, I believe, are easier to get out of those moments. Yes. Right. Like totally. I'm one of those. Totally. I give myself like 24 hours, and I'll just feel in it. I'm like, you know, I just don't feel like I have no mental capacity to do anything. And then there's other times I'm up to one, two o'clock in the morning. I'm kicking butt and I'm doing what I have to do.
1: Right. But right. I yeah.
0: allow myself to feel those moments, and I'm aware and conscious of it to jump right out. So to your point, I think that's the ones that really need the push to really let it go. Like, look, you're going to have the cycle, but it's a constant thing to reinforce. Mm-hmm. You got this, you know, and whatever, you know, positive affirmations or, or verbiage that you're using to tell these women, like you can do this. You got this. Don't forget.
1: Yes. And two things. One is I, I want to revisit the board of directors I wanna, or board of advisors, but with what you just spoke to, about a kind of I believe you were saying this timing yourself in your emotions, I have never heard anyone else say that, and that's something my mom, the DI and the Judy Project, has taught me I and mean, that's part of our training is that you don't you can't wait for an emotion to pass you can't wait for it to to come you can't wait for confidence to just visit you one day or or your depression to leave and please do not get me wrong in that some of us have chemical imbalances that I don't take lightly, not saying this is an easy journey for everyone. It is very different journey for everyone. But when we say it on a more general basis, when you're experiencing these other emotions that might hinder you having that confidence, something we train is a time limit. You allow yourself, I don't know, uh, 24 hours, three days. Sure. And then you revisit and you say, okay, I've given myself that time. It's time to just step out because at some point it's a waste of time. You're wallowing. That's where that word came from, right? It's a waste Yes. I just got the chills because I always say that I'm like, I give myself like 24 hours to wallow and then
0: I put on my big girl panties again, (laughs) not diminishing, but I'm like, I have to do what I have to do, but I'm allowing
1: myself and giving myself
0: grace to be in the moment and saying it's okay to have these emotions that I'm having.
1: Yeah. And I think it's backed by the Winston Churchill quote of, you know, your, your successes are only measured by the fail, by how quickly you bounce from one failure to the next one failure to the next. You are going to continue to fail. You are, I mean, it's, uh, that one is so loaded with so much good stuff. The other thing I wanted to mention too, is my board of advisors. So New York Times bestselling author, child development, right? So, because it starts at the very beginning. Another one is a professor at Johns Hopkins, who's power and politics professor, but has uh, m- the majority of her research, uh, Michelle, Professor Michelle Barton is in resiliency. So, you know, this ties in again, confidence is confidence. It's nuanced. Resiliency is part of it. Let's just leave it at confidence to keep it simple because sure. keeping it cool keeps it memorable and, And then you can practice it easier. And then my third is actually an Olympian, Holly McPeck, who is a three-time Olympian beach volleyball player. She might even be more than that. And she is working on actually getting some more Olympians on board. So this is something where we're really trying to amplify it with individuals from so many different backgrounds, right? Because Mm -hmm. we need that. A relatability. And I think the Olympians, I think is so beautiful, a beautiful sentiment, because this is like a sport, you know, the, the practice and, and you kept saying that too. And I, I love that. And that's exactly what this is. And if listeners take nothing from this conversation, please know that the only thing you need to know is confidence is a skill. And then you can one day be ready and open to that idea and be like, okay, now I'm ready to go learn that skill. And, and then you'll go seek that. Oh, but the books, there's books, there's blogs, there's a one-off seminar. Like you were saying, it's kind of this kitschier, it's one-off is the best way I can put it. You don't have, it's the culture, the mindset about it isn't a movement. It isn't about permeating and having that ripple effect. It isn't about, you know, you got to read the Abby Wombach book called Wolfpack. It's on my you list. Know for listeners, it's a very small, tiny book. I mean, you could read it in two nights, even with our tired mom brains for sure. And what it is just a quick synopsis is it's a redefining of how we as a group of a community of women treat each other. So right now we kind of want up each other. We put each other down for humble bragging. And I say humble brag away and give each other high five for humble bragging. And if you feel like you're bragging, there is an art to it. And maybe there's just practice and there's also discomfort. So you think you're bragging because you're just uncomfortable when really men are bragging all the time and they're doing it so beautifully, I, I want to just take little snippets and be like, this is good, this is great, look at this, let's practice this, use this, just mimic this, please. That is all we need to do. So to get back to her rule book, it's it's a redefining of how we treat each other. And again, it goes back to what I say, this, this isn't about you getting more confidence. If you do and you want just that and you aren't prepared to take the responsibility and permeate and ripple, have a ripple effect, this isn't for you. This is a movement, but it is coupled with Abby's new rules for how we then define each other, because the more we, the more confidence we get, it's actually a power and we can actually lash out at each other. Maybe a little bit more could be a backlash. I could see that happening, but in my ideal world, I see it being more, the more confidence we get, the more confident we can be with the next woman and pat her on the back and be like, you are a badass. Look what you just did. The only way we can say those kinds of compliments is when you're feeling good about yourself.
0: Amen. And it's so true. And what led me to my journey of kind of stepping away from corporate is being with two women-owned um, businesses that I was so, that I worked for, I was employed by, and I was so proud to go to these women-owned business. I had never worked for a woman-led company before, but they were. And to your point, that mentality of, I think when you're not confident and then you feel threatened, and then when someone tells you, constructive criticism or you hire someone on like in my case to give the good the bad and ugly and in between you're you're the design aspect i come from the accounting and hr so there's a lot of insights that i know and things we have to discuss on a high level and um I ran into the mansplaining and it's the boys club and stuff like that. However, when I dished it back to them, they were actually more like, Oh, okay. Where the women on the other hand, when I had to come up and say, no, I think you're wrong based on this research based on your own employees. It was like, no, you have no idea what you're talking. How dare you come to me and tell me with this information don't attack me. Yeah. Don't attack me. Correct. So Now in retrospect or in hindsight of, as you're telling me that I'm like, gosh, it's so true because I feel like the more we become empowered with ourselves, more confident, if I'm understanding right, I'm getting this,
1: Mm. I'm
0: empowered with ourselves and confident with ourselves. Then when the next woman does come and maybe either puts us in our place or tells us that we are wrong, because hello, we don't know everything. No, we can take that constructively as opposed to thinking you're attacking me or how dare you attack me? Because I think as women, we're better, we, we give better feedback when the feedback is coming from a male than when it is coming from another female. And I only know that because I've seen that. And I was like, wait, I'm not attacking you. And that's when it clicked. I'm like, oh, this is like, go back to high school. Oh, woman, this, this, this. And I'm like, wait, you hired me to give you this feedback. So if I was a man, so I'm like, wait, this is the flip side of things. So, oh gosh, so what you're saying, it's like, it's so true. Domino effect. So that we're better leaders, better mothers, better wives, better friends, better, all of that in between.
1: Yeah. And I think too, the the practice and knowledge and reminder that you're continually evolving. So, right. If you're practicing this confidence, it's, it's never ending. You're not going to, we're not just going to go through again, not this one kitschy workshop and you, Oh, I've got confidence. <laughs> this is a, a never ending goal and process to remind yourself that you're continually evolving, just like the world's over morality. I mean, slavery was okay back in the day. I mean, honestly, and now you say, it and it's like, how Dare people. That was the morality of that day. So morality as a world even evolves to the idea that you couldn't evolve yourself. You need to remember you're continually evolving. And so I think the practice of something, knowing that you're practicing something every day, helps to keep you open to more constructive criticism. So when someone does come to you, because I think what makes it so hard to take constructive criticism is when you get into this comfort zone as we all know it so well, and uh, you're not used to even yourself kind of criticizing or looking self-reflecting. And so it it really does come at you like a ton of bricks where it does hurt. But if you're continually doing that reevaluation and that evolution, then that constructive criticism, it just, you're going to grow so much more profoundly on so many levels in your world. I hope I'm making sense to your last point, but (laughs) I'm working on articulating that one. I
0: think you're able to just ingest it more because you've had such a high confidence. We're not talking ego. We're talking you're confident in yourself that you know, you are who you are, that you can do X, Y, Z and put your mind to it, but to also understand and genuine confidence. Exactly. And be humble enough to say, okay, well, if someone's coming to me, let's have the conversation. We could have this. Well, okay, that's interesting. I've never seen it that way. Tell me, why did you do this? And when they come with actual information, you could say, "Hmm, good point. Let me sit on it. Let me reflect and get back to
1: you, right? In a perfect world. That's how all this is how we would react. And I will say too, when you have confidence, taking constructive criticism doesn't mean you're actually going to take it. You're going to listen and they still might be wrong. You can still have the opinion that they're actually wrong. But the idea that you're open to having that conversation, it's that level of genuine confidence that we're all seeking and where we should all be at because no one is attacking anyone. And if they are, we'll be able to sense it and sniff that out and know that they're just, they're either lacking confidence or they haven't been well-trained to socialize it. No, absolutely.
0: Or they're just so stuck in their ways of the old school mentality of not, like you said, be evolving in the growing aspect. And And I'm speaking to
1: men and women. Absolutely.
0: So yeah. So that's what made me realize. I'm like, I can't. I can't be. I can't be at this stage in my life and have to. You know. But anyway, we digress. So tell me what what's next for 19th and Co. And what is next for uh, the Judy Project? I just love the amount of detail and taking the steps to. And you're seeing this vision and going that way. So what's next
1: for my consulting business, 19th and Co. I really do see that growing in a way that has consultants all over the country. It kind of already does but continuing to grow that and being seen as a repository and a safe place for, I hate to say it, but I, I would have ultimately liked to make it where we only service women-owned businesses. I started out that way, but I actually removed that mission because it hindered the first mission, which was to empower our consult, our female consultants because I wanted to cast a wider net. I'd like to rein that net in a bit and make it for women-only consultants and women-only you know, owned businesses eventually i really could see that this is not to discriminate against men and so maybe it doesn't quite go that extreme it's more for women to catch up we, we we were in the home we were you know while the men were the breadwinners that was our culture that was okay it worked for the time we are now two income families because not even out of necessity because out of desire but we're still bogged down you know, i use that term intentionally with all the housekeeping stuff for the most part, still three quarters of it, I'd say. To be safe, I'll guarantee women are 75%. Even if the man carries a lot. My husband carries so much, but it slips. And the normal cadence is 75%, me, 25% him. And, and, but that's way more than it used to be. Yes, you know, men used to not carry any from the home. Sure. Uh, but we're still, we're still burdened with that. And it needs to be 50-50, but we're not there yet. And yeah. so the reality is is that. That's a consultancy. And then really with the Judy project, great question. You know, the one, three, five, it is to the point where I would imagine a Tom's model. So the Tom's, the shoes, it's a buy one, get one or give one, excuse me. So it's not a nonprofit, even though that sits so nicely with me, it's for profit. So it can be that Robin hood. It can give back to the people that need it. Right. If I'm going to close this gender gap and not me single-handedly, If we are going to close this gender gap, that gender gap isn't just about women. I can't say women and have it encapsulate everyone. There are the trifectas, the black, low-income women. That's a challenge. There's so many challenges in that. I, I, Of course, I'm not a low-income white woman. I have one commonality with her. And so in order to give back and be able to penetrate all these different socioeconomic levels and challenges that women are suffering from, or, or I don't want to victimize them that they're experiencing, it's going to take an amplification to a degree that it needs to be handed out for free to some extent. It needs Absolutely. to go into low-income elementary schools, and but it'll be the wealthier elementary schools that pay for that, you know, or, or some combination. So that, that I suited a Tom's model and amplified to a degree that tens of 20 famous individuals are backing it.
0: I love it. I love how you're so clear in that. And may I ask, because I, I noticed yeah. this on your website and I, I was like, wow, you put Black Lives Matter, period. Why was it important to put that on? And I hope it's okay that I asked because I was like, oh, wow, because it's first. And then I believe it's your um, logo. And then it's a woman owned, woman led consulting company, everything. But it's like right there. <laughs> Why was that so important to you to list that? Because you could have gotten backlash. There's so many things.
1: Yeah, I think that list could go on LGBTQ. I mean, I was a LGBTQ advisor at Harvard, I had students come out to me as the first person. Mm. So that list, and I actually, I need to be adding that to that. It's really, you know, again, women being one of the last to get the right to vote, we, we are an underrepresented minority group. And so and and as blacks, as a whole are a minority group. it's actually sad that it took all the events of the last two years to bring it about. I mean, adultification, a young Mm. black girl isn't allowed to be three because she looks older. And so she gets treated older and then she gets looked frowned upon because she can't act older, like how they see her. And now she's kind of frowned upon. Right. But a three-year-old white girl she kind of looks like a three-year-old white girl, and gets to have that childhood, and it's just like a, a you know, sixteen-year-old boy. I think there was it was a beautiful it was Dave Chappelle, excuse me. I think it's the brother is his comic, his stand-up called The Brother, yeah. right? And it's about a sixteen-year-old black boy who, right, goes to juvie, but a sixteen-year-old white boy, and he gets just a slap on the hand, and it, yeah. it, it's just it's completely unfair.
0: But the reality, unfortunately, and the, the reality unfortunate reality. The reality,
1: but also to give the world grace again, as I mentioned, our morality was slavery was okay. How many years ago and slavery is not now we're yeah. still evolving from that. So to give ourselves some grace, but there's so many people that aren't giving that space. And I yeah. want to be a white woman that stands up for that and, ally, and, the and, ally yeah, in that ally. is what the allyship. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, I've had so many black women that come to me and mention to me, we need white women to stand up for us because our black voices aren't as loud as the white woman. And so that, that was my.
0: Well, to your point, the same way you're trying to build your company and saying I needed to be woman led to then it goes into the, to everyone. It's the same concept, right? If minorities, I'm a minority, I'm a Latin, Hispanic, well I'm Puerto Rican and Italian, um, but I am Latin. It's the same thing. I've I've had my own discrimination. People sell my last name Gonzalez. They've said, Oh, I had a customer at a bank tell me, they're like, are you, are you sure you're filling that out properly? Or you're doing my paperwork properly. And I'm like, Yes, I, think I know my name. And she's like, "Do you speak English?" And I'm like, "I don't even speak Spanish, man." Like I've had the the stereotypical things, or because I look a certain way that I can't be this. So, and I try even not to take offense to certain levels and have grace with it. And and you know, knowing some Good people are just you. that ignorance of not knowing better. So it's my job to teach them, you know, and being like, well right. But like you said, it does take it does take non people of color to bring yeah. it to the light and. If you give see it credibility. something to speak up, give it credibility. That if is. you see something speak it up, say, oh, that, and maybe if you don't want to put it to the side and say, look, you might not have realized, but what you just said, was like a backhanded, like offensive comment. Right. And just think about if it was in reverse and if it was you and someone said something. Right. And I think those little things, cause I truly don't believe every single person is, is bad or this or that. Are there exceptions to the rule? Absolutely. Sure. But I think most was. people just need to lack be told lack of knowledge, not understanding their own Thank biases, like that's a whole nother, yeah. um, oh, I'm part of a diversity, equity and inclusion committee. So I, we, I've been part of five years I've done speaking engagements. So that's, that's a whole nother thing. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I think a lot of people just don't recognize their own bias. And I think yeah. to your point, it's just speaking up and, and bringing light to it. So I just want to applaud you. Cause I thought I saw thank that you. and I was like,
1: oh, oh that's you. awesome. Yeah. yeah. It, it really was from the couple of black women that came to me and basically said, we need your voice. And it's not like they asked me to put that on there, but it made me realize, like you just said, the example you just gave. That's absurd. And something I didn't even know could I couldn't even fathom what happened, right? And I don't experience that at all. And so to, to have the audacity to say I'm teaching confidence, right? It's audacious. I want to be very sensitive to the idea that like th- you going through a confidence program versus me going through a confidence program. Yeah, I'll probably get there a little quicker because uh, that's your point. experiences. I mean, that's that's absurd. That is absolutely yeah. absurd. So it takes you down a couple notches, whatever our experiences in our lives, right? Goodness, I, I remember hearing that wasn't my name. The, the difference with me is the kind of person I am that actually made me
0: want to have Gonzalez put everywhere because I'm like, no, oh, I'm going to show you. But think of the other side of as someone who maybe was embarrassed or right. was like, oh, maybe how do they see me? Or becoming, so for sure. So that's a good point that you said that because it's like, yeah, and you also have to be aware of that of knowing I mean, everyone has had um, trials and tribulations, white, black, whatever. But the level to where you're saying to where it's a societal thing to where they've been told something time and time again, or seeing images
1: on TV, that's a Mm -hmm. whole different thing. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, uh, just a couple of things that I have experienced as a white woman. So I'm a privileged white woman, Mm -hmm. middle class, totally. When I don't do this to myself, so listeners can't see it, but makeup, highlighting my hair. Do you remember seeing Jennifer Aniston in her early days before she? but you, you have to look it up. And I don't mean to call her out and say, Oh my God, look how not fortunate she looked. You have to look it up because that is a prime example of, you know, we all have gone through these things. So when I was a full brunette, no tan, super pale white skin, like, and not the pretty snow white look. Okay. Not this Brown hair, pretty white skin look. No, no, no. I looked like a 12 year old boy. Like, and I got treated so differently with no makeup, small beady eyes, when I put my makeup on the next day or within that same day, within that same hour, and I got treated completely differently. And this is at the age of 12, 15. So I'm really starting to have some introspective, reflective moments at that age of profound experiences where beauty played such a role in my success. I can only imagine what skin color, ethnicity, you know what I mean? Like I again, so that's why I do not discount when I say I'm going on a world tour to teach confidence. I'm a white <laughs> woman doing that, but I, I am sensitive to it, but again, don't even really truly understand the degree at which it actually penetrates one's confidence. So, yeah. But I think the fact that you had that and the yeah, interest some- that you do.
0: But that's the empathy that comes with it and the yeah. understanding of saying, like you said, wait a minute, if I'm seeing this on this level, imagine exactly. if my skin is a certain color that I can't hide from that. Like you said, you could put on makeup and then you feel confident when people yeah. see Gonzalez or I have had people, you know, just come up to me, they start speaking Spanish, or they don't or I've been <laughs> followed in the store. Because I can't hide what right, I right. look yeah. like, you know, if yeah. I'm not dressed up the same way, or, or I don't straighten yeah. my hair, and I have my curly hair. So I mean, that's a whole nother thing about that. But I think that's a starting point. And I, that's a good point that you say, because I think it just it brings empathy to it and brings a personal element that you're like, well, if I'm feeling this and I can only imagine. And that's, I think, the element that people Miss most of the time on any different level, which is why I think sometimes as a society, we can't move forward because people aren't doing the introspectiveness and being like, well, you know what, if I just looked at it inward and say, how would I feel about this or know of my own experiences and put it and even remotely try to think on their level, we'd be so much further in life.
1: It is right. it's absolutely truth. It's
0: absolutely truth. We'll we'll go back into what are one to three tips. You've you you went from designing space architecture, I love it, to starting this business to being on this movement of wanting to empower women. One to three tips for women, especially mothers with busy households that want to turn their passion into business.
1: So you're a busy mom. I get it. I'm there. I have a three and a half year old and a six-year-old. First step would be to dust off that great idea in your mind. And it does not have to even be to start a business. It can be to go start working out again, right? But to answer your question about starting your business, you know which one it is, even if it's a combination of a couple. So identify that, write that down, put it down in a way that you don't think you're going to remember because you know, moms, we don't. (laughs) It just flies out the other ear when you're in thought process. Number two is to start go vocalizing it. So you need to tell five strangers and five people you know that you're going to go do this thing, right? Is it going to start your own bakery? Is it going to just leave your job and you're, you have the, the space because of your financial stability to explore what that might be for the next three months? Whatever it might be, if, even if it's not that first step, start go telling people. And you have to tell those people in a week's time, five strangers, five people you know. Once you've done that, the next thing is to identify the very next small, small step. So I always give the example of, you know, if you're going to go start a bakery, you're not going to actually go rent a space tomorrow. Okay, so don't think of this as so literal, but week two, start calling around to the cute little for rent signs or for lease signs that you see in your neighborhood or where you want to ideally have it. Call them, ask them how much it costs. You're not actually renting. No, you're trying it on. You're like going into the store. You always loved the dress you always wanted to wear and you go into the dressing room. You're not committed to buying it but you get to see yourself in it and you need to try it on and you need to see yourself in it because the only way you can make this a reality is to see yourself actually in that dress wearing it or else you won't ever think it could be you. And those would be the three steps I would, I would advise to start doing and start it today.
0: I love it, I love it. What do you do, this be twofold question, to recharge and refill your cup? And then what do you do to unwind? What do you do to just come home and say, you know what? I'm going to de-stress. So I'm going to ask both. What do you do to recharge when you need to refill your cup? And what do you do to relax and unwind for the day?
1: In my life, I, I, I love that you have delineated between the two, but okay. I am still working on that. So when my husband met me, he was literally like, do you relax? Do you even know how to relax? And while I might've been proud at the moment, I'm not proud about that anymore. It is to a fault, to a point where I can't just be in the moment with my kids and that's where it hurts. I can't be just in the moment with my, my dog who we just put down yesterday Mm -hmm. and how much did I miss? Thank you. Yes. It was 16 years. No, no, no. (laughs) She was our first daughter. She was our first child. I'm so sorry. So, you know, it's, it's to a fault. I wish I could have a better, more solidified answer for you, but I will say some of the things that I do now, I've gotten a personal trainer, which is an expense I never would have accepted to to incur, but I'll take that over any other expense and cut other things off. I realize what that is, is I get to show up somewhere and all I have to do is show up and you know, we don't ever get that. So what I would say to listeners is, can you find something where you maybe don't have to pay a personal trainer? Can you find somewhere where you, all you have to do is show up and- get that direction from someone else. Maybe you take turns with a best friend and say like, let's every other week get together. And we each have to decide what we're doing for that time. If it's dinner, if it's a movie, but where you don't have to think because all we're doing, oh my God, I can't even, we're making decisions for everyone, even for our husbands, our partners. Goodness, no matter what side you are, even if it's a same sex marriage, you're making decisions for your partners, Mm -hmm. for your kids you know, such big monument. And then you're supposed to go have a career and go make decisions in that life. And then a personal aspect to your own life. I think the unwind or the rejuvenate yourself is, is can you find a space where you don't have to make those decisions and someone else is helping to be the captain. And in fact, what I do to help unwind is I ask my husband to be the, we call it the captain on the weekends. And I, especially when I'm really new, I say, I need you to captain. I'm done. I'm maxed. I'm on the captain all week long. <laughs> You know, where you're the drill sergeant. Come on, come on, kids, let's move. And I'm so sick of it. Away. Is
0: Is there something that the husbands just don't have the same time frame? Because I think my I think my son's gonna grow up just hearing me say, Jace, you have five more minutes. Jace, you have five more minutes, Jace, you have seven minutes. Timer right the now, time, have I'm putting the timer <laughs> oh, oh, I live on my timer. I, I did not have home. the timer. I know. But it's but it it does help because then it oh, also yeah. I'm like, okay, I have 15 minutes. So instead of me having to remember, I'm gonna put the timer.
1: I set alarms for you myself. My husband's like, "What time do we need to leave to pick the pick, pick up the kids?" If he joins, I'm like, "I have no idea. It's on my alarm. <laughs> I can't think about that." you got to. It's almost like the previous version of me puts things in motions. And then I don't, I can turn my brain off and put my yes. brain somewhere else. Yeah. But so that's so that, that's funny.
0: funny. <laughs> but you know, I, I thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty there because you know, you're, you're a businesswoman. you know, in all intents purposes, successful. And here you are like, look, I'm still trying to figure this shit out. Oh. So I thank you for that because I I'm think not that's- a
1: Facebook post here. And you know what, <laughs> that's another thing we as women need to stop doing. I honestly, I almost want to boycott Facebook and Instagram. The only reason why I do it is for my business. I have my personal one, zero. My Facebook is really for myself so I can have a timeline of my life. Literally, could I turn it off for everyone else and just have a timeline for my life? But to my point is we need to all just start being more vulnerable with each other and telling each other like, hi, look at this shiny picture you see right here. Do you know what that just took? (laughs) The shit that just, excuse my friend, that just went down. I mean,
0: we need to stop Stop the filters and normalizing that some of us are still trying to figure it out. And even when we get to a certain point, we're still trying to figure it out.
1: If you're not figuring it out, you're dead. (laughs) Yes. I'm not kidding, right? Helen Keller, life is an adventure or it's nothing. If you're not creating an adventure out of your life, I'm so sorry for you a thousand percent. And
0: obviously the whole craziness of motherhood that's joined into it is a whole nother breed of things, but no, thank you for that. And, and I'm glad that you found the this, this something. Cause I think that's a good point. And to my listeners, yes, find something. And I love that, that your brain just isn't working. Actually, it's funny enough. Cause I, I joined back at orange theory and I actually was getting a little like anxiety because I wasn't working and doing something and I was just on this treadmill. So I started feeling I like that, um, guilt and I almost had to slap
1: myself. I know. Have you seen the quote? Self-care isn't selfish. Yes. I repeat. And I'm that. Like, what am head.
0: I doing? I have yeah. to, yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because I'm literally on this treadmill. I'm like, how much more minutes I have? Because I have so much to do. And and I'm like, whoa, enjoy this moment. You're literally only here for an hour and you go a couple of days a week. Like, relax. But yeah. we've been conditioned and it's this thing. So yes. So thank you for that. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're putting that in so that, you know, and I love telling you, I do the same thing with mine. We actually, on Saturday mornings, he goes to the gym and it's mommy and um, Jay's time half of the day. Uh-huh. And on Sunday, I started telling him, no, I'm either going to go to the gym or even work, whatever I choose to do. And you take him half of the morning and do your thing. And that's, that's me. been working because Sounds. if not
1: like you said, then you're like, no,
0: yes. Boundaries.
1: We're better moms for it.
0: Oh, it's a thousand Wambach. percent. Yeah. I mean, not saying my parents or my mom take time for herself for sure. Okay. So why don't we get into my quick get to know, do you have a favorite book or one that you would like to recommend?
1: Yeah. The Abby Wambach Wolfpack. Love it.
0: <laughs> so what's a favorite
1: organizational or mom hack you like to use? Two things that kind of stem, stem from the same one. You know, when you go get your hair done, mm-hmm. you make the next appointment at that appointment when you're leaving and you're paying. I have so many moms who tell me like, oh, I got to make a hair point. I'm like, how is that not already systematized? You go every time you know, you're going to get your hair done. So hair, nails, I don't know, whatever appointments you have, don't call, don't make another to do for yourself. And then the same point too, is like when you get a routine, if you can make life into a routine, absolutely where you can. I know momhood is not about that, but like I said, make for your future self, put those alarms to where you can turn your brain off on those things. An alarm goes off and it's like having an assistant. Oh, I need to leave go pick up my kids. Do not make that a to-do every day for yourself. You're stealing time from you and you don't deserve that. Love it. What's your favorite word? This week, audacity. Have the audacity to take time for yourself. Have the audacity to go out and skill up in confidence. Have the audacity to think whatever you're thinking and start acting on it. Be audacious.
0: What has motherhood taught you?
1: You can fit so much into a day than you never realized before. Compartmentalizing and focus. It's, and I, I get, people are astonished by what I've accomplished at age 40. And I, that's been amplified since I've had kids because you have even that much less time. So I think it's awesome. I think it's, it's focused me even that much more when you have more time and more choices, it's actually more, more of a crippling experience. I agree.
0: What have you learned? through your journey of creating 19th and co and leading up to this point, if you can summarize of like, what have you kind of learned in creating this business
1: and working with these consultants Two prong, raise your hand before you're ready. Mm. Uh, I have now practiced that many times. So I was asked, or I, I uh, submitted to have a webinar, the Dell one that I mentioned, you know, submit to, to get a webinar with Dell. And I was like, Oh, hot damn. Yeah. I'm going to do that. Never done a webinar before. Didn't have it prepared. I got it. And something that my whole team will laugh that I say this and because I'm gonna say it again is that thing that I say all the time is nothing like a deadline. Create those deadlines for you before you're ready. I say nothing like the deadline all the time. I know we're cut from the same cloth. So that, that's what I would say is what I've learned is all of these opportunities, while it's super scary, I got these board of advisors, but I don't even know exactly what the Judy Project and the Confidence Revolution is yet. I'm gonna figure it out because nothing like a deadline. That's what I've learned. You Love it. have to create that, that fire, to keep it under your ass and keep you moving. <laughs> it's funny because I never thought of
0: it that way, but that's what I do
1: to myself. I'm
0: like, I thought I was like this high achieving always. And I'm like, no, I actually live by these deadlines, which is why I always add projects to myself because it, it fuels me. How can people find you? And then your final thoughts to the podcast world.
1: So 19th and Code website, 19 9 and I'd love to give your listeners my direct email address because they're moms and ah, my heart goes out to you guys. So if it's if if you own your own business or on the topic of confidence, either way, a strategy chat around that, please reach out. It's Christine C-H R I S T I N E at 19 T H A N D dot C O. I know it's different than the the URL for the website, but so that's that's contact information you'll find the Judy project on there. It links to it. And then, you know, in closing, just a final thought is as moms, you know, having, having lived through a similar journey of what I am living now pre and post kids would be to say, you see, you hear the sigh as a, the mom sigh. Self-care is not selfish. And I would under the umbrella of self-care say that you deserve to make money doing what you enjoy and where there's a will, there's a way. I know everyone's situation is different and I'd love to have a conversation around that but you don't have to just keep working to just keep working. You can make, there's so much money out there to be had. And women don't realize that I teach negotiation. There's so much money on the table. So even if you stay in your own job, let's talk about how do we, how do we get you the promotion? How do you ask that? That's what I'd leave you with. You're a mom and you deserve more than to be just wearing that mom hat. If that's what you want, you can wear just the mom hat and that's not just a just yeah. I couldn't do it single-handedly. No, absolutely not. So go moms.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Christine. This has been a pleasure having you on. You um, very happy we connected. And yeah, good luck with 19th and co, the Judy Project. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Thank you for joining me this week on the Mamas Know Best. We got Something to Say podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, NGC Consulting, where you can find them at NicoleGConsulting.com. For more motherhood resources, check out MotherhoodVillage.com. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you'll never miss an episode. And if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or recommendation to a friend works too. And join us next time for another amazing conversation. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.